Insomniac Podcast. My name is Mike, and today I'm joined by Cousin Paul. Hi, Mike. So you want to talk about wrestling for a little bit? That's what I'm here for. So uh, last Saturday night in Blackpool, England, uh, NXT TakeOver UK happened. When I say last Saturday night, it was nighttime there. It was 2 in the afternoon for us Eastern Time Zone people. Yeah, I was kind of annoyed by uh, accidentally stumbling across some spoilers before I watched it Saturday evening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just pretty much avoided the internet as a whole because I knew I wanted to watch it, enjoy it, and I know anything spoiled whatsoever. Um, <clears throat> but uh, top to bottom... I thought it was a decent show. I thought it was good. You know, um, it was their first UK, if you will. So everyone on it was a UK star, I guess you would call it. Uh, show opened up with the NXT UK Tag Team Championship Tournament Finals with the Grizzled Young Vets. Well, I don't know if they call them Grizzled Young Vets in, in WWE, actually. I don't think so. But they are the Grizzled Young Vets uh, and uh, J.D. Drake and Zach Gibson. Um, yeah, they just could call them by their two names. They don't have a team name in WWE yeah. at least. Uh, taking on the, the team of Mustache Mountain of Trent Seven and Tyler Bate. And these two teams have wrestled each other multiple times in the past. They've even traded the Progress World Tag Team Championship. Um, my thing I loved the most just from the get-go of this match was uh, Mustache Mountain's gear. Mm-hmm. The ring gear, a complete and total tribute to the old style of the British Bulldogs-inspired gear. Yep, it was great. And then even at one point in the match, Trent Seven hit that bulldog shoulder power slam, and Tyler Bate came off the top rope with a diving headbutt, a la the British Bulldogs. So yep. it was great. I really loved that. Um, I thought that was awesome. What did you think of the match as a whole? It was it was a very good match. Um, I, it, I I think it's good that it went the way that it did because Trent Seven and Tyler Bate they're already like they're over. People know who they are. Tyler Bate was the first UK champion. Yep. And, you know, Trent Seven, we were talking about this earlier, but he's kind of, he's not set up as like secondary to Tyler Bate, but he's like Tyler Bate's mentor. Yes. So like, it's a, it's a good dynamic and it elevated Trent Seven in, uh, in, uh, in a place where it's like, yeah, progress people know, like we, we've been watching progress today, which is the first progress I've ever watched. So yeah. I'm going through like, Oh yeah, I've seen all these guys in NXT UK, right. but in NXT UK, I didn't know who anybody but Tyler Bate and uh, and Trent Seven and Pete Dunne and Pete Mark Dunne, Pete Dunne. Even Trent Seven was new to me in yeah. NXT UK. Yeah, like I mean, I probably they were probably in the UK tournament or something like that. But I didn't know who any of those guys were either well, the first time around there. I mean, so. earlier this summer, Trent Seven and Tyler Bate picked up the NXT Tag Team Championships from the Undisputed Era. Did yeah. you see that? Yes, I did okay. see that. All right. Yeah. So, I, but that was after the start of NXT UK, wasn't it? No. Or was it around? It was, it was before. before. Okay. So, yeah, so I was at least I was exposed to Trent Seven. I knew who he was. Anyways, my point is they didn't need yeah. to be drawn into the limelight further. Uh, and I think they've done a really good job over the – I mean, how long has NXT UK been going? A few months? Well, I mean, the brand itself is two years old now as far as the UK championship was introduced two years ago in January of 2017 with the tournament. Trent Seven was in that tournament. Yeah. Um, and then they did the the tournament again. Uh, earlier this year that Zach Gibson won, and he went on to challenge Pete Dunne for the title. Yep, so that started building up Zach Gibson also. And then they finally announced the UK brand show, which I think just took off. They've been doing two episodes every Wednesday to catch up because they taped a bunch of stuff in August, but I don't think the first episode aired till November. Yeah, so it hasn't been October, going November. Long. No, because the, the uh, Women's Evolution pay-per-view was the end of October. And Rhea Ripley was the UK champion, and she wrestled a dark match against um, 
Oh, what's her name? I can't think of her name. It's an Australian girl. She was in stardom. She's got a different name now. I can't think of what her name is now, but it doesn't matter. So Rhea Ripley defended the title on the on a dark match on the Women's Evolution pay-per-view because the TV show hadn't debuted yet. Okay, so she was already the champion at that point. She won the title back in August, but they hadn't even they hadn't showed her on TV uh, or anything since then. See, I, I mean, I realize there was a reason why they were showing two episodes a week, but I didn't realize that. But so, anyways, yeah. from November whatever till now, yeah, they've uh, they've had to build up the the emotion behind the different characters, you know. So uh, I think you know Zach Gibson was already kind of propped up by the last tournament, so you you knew who he was. Right. But he's had to kind of build himself by. You know, you know, through his matches. So, so this puts him up in the limelight. Son, what's the other guy's name? I forget his name. JD Drake. Yeah, JD Drake. So he, I, I feel like he just recently. Sorry, James Drake. James Drake. Okay. James Drake. JD Drake. JD JD Drake is the is the Twitter handle of James Drake, who is from the United States as part of the Work Horseman, and then James Drake from that's where I was getting the JD okay. Drake. <laughs> James Drake from Progress or from the UK or whatever, the tag team partner of Zach Gibson and Grizzled Young Vets. I don't think um I mean James Drake UK, if you will, had done some um T V stuff or some show events for WWE uh in the UK. Or uh, he did so he wrestled at Access this year. They had some UK matches. Did some of the UK guys on Access, and so he has done some stuff. But he really wasn't on TV until this UK yeah. brand started. So this is good to accelerate those two because you got you have to have guys that you feel like threats to compete. You know, see, it's weird. Like I don't have that. I don't have that casual fan perspective as far as like when I see. The Grizzled Young Vets against Mustache Mountain. I'm like, oh, this is just another match that these guys yeah, have had. you know who they are already. For you or whatever, this is your first time seeing them in tag team action against each other or for other casual fans. And so, like, I'm sure you were blown away by the match, which this is probably the best match these two teams have ever had. But I wasn't surprised by how good it was. Um, they went about 24 minutes, and uh, Grizzled Young Vets picked up the win and won themselves the uh, NXT UK tag titles, as we've alluded to. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I thought, like you said, I mean, I thought James Drake and Zach Gibson had a tremendously good, powerful showing, especially James Drake. I mean, his 450 splash. Yeah. I mean, the false finish after false finish in this match. I can't wait for a rematch. Yeah. And I, I like the way the match was, was done just in general. It's yeah. like the, the heel team were, they were ruthless, but they also didn't cheat to win because right. they're very confident in themselves. Yeah. They don't have to be the, the slimy shady heels. Right. They just were that bit more ruthless and it paid off for them in the end. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was a great match. It was a great way to, to start off. And, you know, this was a, a show where you had three championships on the line and this was the one championship that was definitely going to change hands. Well, there were going to be new champions, I guess you'd say, not change hands. Right. Um, I, I would suspect at some point Mustache Mountain is going to win the tag titles. Probably. You got to have some feud between them. I would definitely. I mean, they're, they're going to be the champions at some point. Mm-hmm. I can't see them not being, but you never Where know. did the Mustache Mountain thing come from? Is there any kind of story to that? The name? Yeah. I on, I honestly don't know. I was curious about that because it seems like a, a goofy out of nowhere thing. But then the progress stuff we were watching, they had the. They announced as using the name as wrestling, uh, hailing from Mustache Mountain. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if it was just because they have such keen mustaches. And the logo is cool. It's a mustache, but the peak of the mustache is a mountaintop. Yeah. 
So no, I don't know where the Mustache Mountain name came from. I, it's nothing I ever thought about or, excuse me, cared about to look up. So, um, next up on the show, we had, uh, okay, so <laughs> it was supposed to be Travis Banks against Jordan Devlin. This was the match that got spoiled for me, by the way. Okay. But uh, it didn't matter to me that it uh, was spoiled. On Earlier that week, uh, UK TV, Travis Banks had gotten jumped by Devlin. Mm-hmm. Um, beat down a little bit, and then Devlin jumped Travis Banks before the mat, the Kiwi Buzzsaw before the match started. And this is where, to me, I'm just like, uh, if you would have jumped him like earlier in the day during a pre-tape or something like that, and then as opposed to right before the match started, and then they would have been like, oh, well, we thought, because like, like basically what happens is he beats up Banks, Banks can't wrestle, Devlin's in the ring, and uh, you know the Johnny Saint and his cohort come out and is like. We thought you might do something like this, so we have someone on standby just in case. Well, they did show that he jumped him that day. Yes. Pre-show. Right. Also, but then he also, right. then at the beginning of the match, well, I guess Banks actually jumped Devlin, but yeah. Devlin injured Banks further. Right. Yeah, I thought that was all a little fishy. Once once they said that uh, Banks was why, cleared to compete. Yeah, why would you have a guy in gear standing behind the curtain basically waiting to come out? Yeah, it made it a little bit awkward. If he's not going to be used, because it's like, oh, well, I guess Banks is fine. The one thing I'll say is they had to present a reason why would Finn Balor be there because right. he's wrestling on the main card. So logically right. he's not in the UK right, right then. So they had to have, we thought you would do this. So we had him fly over from the States, just stand by in case. Yeah. It's a little awkward, but whatever. But it it, it would have made sense if you would have beat him up at the beginning of the show. And then he comes out to, I want to be declared the winner by forfeit because banks can't compete. And they go, Oh no, we found a replacement. And Finn Balor comes out, which would have made more sense to me. Yeah, it still would have. Uh, why? Why was Finn Balor there instead of with because the rest of the? Why is he? Vis- he's just visiting home. To yeah, where he lives, just, just hanging out, chilling. You know, he's there for the event for the first ever UK Takeover when yeah. Charlotte Flair was there. And they could have uh, they could have set it up just by showing that he was there earlier. You know, Char- yeah. Charlotte Flair was there. She was there. You know, and yet she did not wrestle in the women's match. That was highly disappointing after the uh, precedent set. I'm not <laughs> I'm not serious at all with that. Um. It's cool because um, Finn Balor did train um, Jordan Devlin. Yeah, Jordan Devlin looks like a thicker, more square-headed Finn Balor. Yeah, and uh, they had a good match. It was uh, the I thought it was gonna be more of a squash, not for nothing. I didn't think I didn't think Devlin was gonna get as much offense in as he did. I'm glad it wasn't a squash. Oh, me too. But that's what I thought was gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, they went about 12 minutes. Finn Balor, of course, got the win with the coup de gras. Um, yeah, he got a huge homecoming. Yeah, that was it, it was it was fun to see for that. And and Finn Balor being on this show kind of goes along with a post-show interview with uh Triple H. Triple H was like I know a lot of people see it as like you know Raw's number 1, SmackDown's number 2, NXT's number 3, NXT UK's number 4 in, in the order the hierarchy of things, but he doesn't see it that way. He sees them as four distinct brands, almost like four territories. And back in the day, guys traveled around the territories. So you may see guys at NXT or NXT UK that never go to SmackDown or, or, or Raw. And I don't believe he called them the main roster at any point in time. He called them SmackDown or Raw. Because the implication is, if that's the main roster, then you're coming from the not main roster. Yeah, and it's also creating more separation between Raw and SmackDown. Right. Where it's They're both the main roster, but right. they're presented as separate entities, and the more they dispel that these are the main roster, yeah. the more things they can do with that, the more they can have the styles of those two shows be different. The more they can, I mean, Survivor Series, they've had the those two rosters against each other for two right. years now, 
and it's lame and stupid. Yeah. And part of the reason is they're both the main roster. So right. you're kind of like, why is this special? It doesn't feel special at all. And I also don't like the idea of going like, oh, Raw's the number one show and SmackDown's the B show. And I, I don't like yeah. that either. But they are two different brands. Raw is a brand. SmackDown is a brand. That's why you have the Raw Tag Team Champions, the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the Raw Women's Champion, the SmackDown Women's Champion, as opposed to the WWE Champion. And, you know, the WWE Women's Champion, if you will. Um, And when SmackDown goes to Fox this October, this fall, if you will, I think that's going to make it even a bigger, more, all right, now we have four unique territories. Mm -hmm. And like Triple H was saying, you're going to have some guys that never go to another territory. Um, like for instance, the man that debuted at the end of this show, Walter, when he came out now, Walter basically, he doesn't own, but he basically runs and operates and he runs their wrestling school of WXW. And although he has no problem going to the States to wrestle matches, he has no intent of leaving WXW. WXW is the wrestling promotion of Germany. And without him, it basically doesn't exist. And he doesn't want to leave that, but he'll work with NXT UK to work in the UK shows. Yeah. I don't ever see him doing go, moving to Orlando, going full-time or anything like that. But he's a guy that would probably only be on the NXT UK roster or maybe come over for like a takeover in the States before Mania or something like that, but never actually leave Germany. Yeah. Um, and that's what Triple H said is you'll have some guys that will never leave. Triple H envisions some guys maybe coming from Raw or SmackDown and going to NXT or NXT UK. Yeah, I, I mean, think there would be a lot of good to that. Who knows? I just know that um, – for me right now, Raw is my least favorite of the four brands. Uh, SmackDown has uh, – uh, NXT and NXT UK is kind of a toss-up between the two of them. I like both of those shows. Those are my two favorite WWE products to watch right now. Um, SmackDown would be next because they have better quality of wrestling because that's what I want to watch. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you've been watching, but like Mustafa Ali has been having some great matches with everybody. Uh, Almas is finally getting to shine. Uh, Rey Mysterio, which – I'm saying this. Rey Mysterio, this is my favorite run of his since his days in ECW and early WCW before he lost his mask. I mean, yeah. Rey Mysterio, they just did a Canadian Destroyer pile driver on SmackDown. That's the first Canadian Destroyer in the history of the WWE. Did you see that? No. no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a cool setup with uh, <clears throat> Almas and Rey. They did like the test of strength, let's just call that. You know, they did the finger lock thing Lucha Libre does. And then... Ray dropped back on his back and put his feet like on Almas's legs and kind of put him up in the air. And then they kind of snapped back up. And when they did, Almas hit his feet. Ray popped up. Boom. Canadian Destroyer. It was awesome. Nice. It was awesome. But like um, Mustafa Ali's having great matches with Daniel Bryan, with uh, the tag matches that they had together, uh, with Almas, you know, Daniel Bryan. He's on fire right now. His promos, I mean, this is the best I've seen him in WWE, honestly. This is the biggest of a heel he's been. I mean, yeah. when he was a heel before, he was he was the guy who everybody was rooting for who got there, but it, like at the last minute was kind of sketchy with how he did it. Right. But he was always just like surviving. Like right. he was just that kind of he was a little bit weaselly, but not that bad. He's now, now he's like in their faces, you know, you people are disgusting. He's and, the heel that he was in Ring of Honor. Yeah. Where everyone hated him. Mm-hmm. Where he does a thing where he grabs the arms and stomps on their face and shit. I mean, mm-hmm. like, it's amazing. But, yeah, I mean, Dan- and his promos have been just phenomenal. Yeah, the promo that he had, I think it was this last week, where he was, uh, like, at a, a food vendor. Yeah. How disgusting people were eating that food. Oh, yeah. So, like, that's a quick way to, to get people pissed off at you when they're sitting there eating their nachos. I mean, his promos have been awesome. So, 
I mean, I would love to see Pete Dunne against Daniel Bryan. You know, I would. There's some. There's some matches I would love to see. Almost dream matches, if you will, from one territory to another. Because, I mean, I would be all for calling them territories now, and not brands, if you will. But mm-hmm. either way, uh, moving on. Uh, no disqualification match. Dave Mastiff against Eddie Dennis. So I thought this match was going to be awful because yeah. uh, Dave Mastiff is he's he's better than I would expect him to be. Yeah. But I mean, he's pretty much just been squashing guys, and then Eddie Dennis looks. Awful. Like he is yeah. the giant Gonzalez of NXT UK. Like that's that was my first impression of him, and it lasted for a while. Yep. His his acting isn't very good. His promos. When he jumped Dave Mastiff backstage, it was the the weakest looking thing I've ever seen for a yeah. backstage attack. Like it was awful. His matches were lame. Just nothing about him is fearsome. He's a tall, skinny guy. Yeah. Uh, but like nothing until this match, and he he powered Dave Mastiff around. Um, a few times. There was some moves, like there was a couple things Eddie Dennis did to Dave Mastiff. I was friggin' shocked. Yeah. To see he caught him in a cross body block right yeah. before he did that move onto the steps. Yeah. Uh, he just you know he had some impressive ones. Like I yeah. I was actually I enjoyed the whole match. Yep. I did not expect to. It wasn't your typical no DQ match with weapons like they. I mean, like they used the stairs and they used the Kendo yeah. stick and they had a chair, but it wasn't as over the top as some of them can be. No, and I was and, fine with that because this is more about these guys' size, not about yeah, weapons. Yeah, and essentially establishing these two guys because this, yes, this was their first takeover, but they've only had TV shows for two months, mm-hmm. and they didn't. So, which is not a lot of time to build these people up for the casual fan, where it's like, okay, well, um, we're going to take these two months. Two shows a week, guaranteed, but still, and we got to build these guys. And but people maybe have never heard of Dave, of Eddie Dennis before or Dave Mastiff, you know. And and so it takes it takes time to build them up. Yeah. And um, I know I thought they delivered pretty well. How long has Eddie Dennis been wrestling? He's been wrestling a long time. He doesn't look like it. He has. I mean, they did. They just had a tremendous angle with him in in progress, as far as talking about um, him and Mark Andrews having a feud. Maybe it's just who he's going up against, but he, so he reminds me of uh, when Charlotte was still a little fresher. Yeah. Uh, there were times that because she's just so much taller and, and has more length than the other competitors yeah. that stuff would come off awkward because it's like, she didn't know the, the spacing for doing certain things. And that's kind of what struck me about Eddie Dennis, especially like at the beginning of the match when they were just throwing fists, he looked yeah. awful because it seems to me like he doesn't, understand the spacing of his own body in that. Cause I mean, Dave Mastiff, he's not a tall guy, doesn't have super yeah. long arms. So I, I think it may be kind of circumstantial a little bit, but yeah, I mean this, this match, they definitely impressed me when it started off and, and Eddie Dennis looked like he was gassed after throwing like 10 punches. I was a little worried, but yeah. uh, I think it was just the, the awkwardness of figure out how to, he's been wrestling 11 years. He should look better after 11 years. <laughs> well, he's in his 11th year, maybe, if you will. Um, <clears throat> Tony Storm against Rhea Ripley for the NXT UK Women's Championship. Uh, Tony Storm defeated Rhea Ripley to win the title, which, not for nothing, uh, I'm not saying Rhea Ripley's bad. I'm just... I didn't care for her as a champion. Didn't think she should have been the champion. Uh, I think her getting a win over Tony Storm was just absolutely absurd. I realized they ran a, an injury angle with, with Tony Storm's back. Well, she injured her back in the match and everything. And, and maybe they called an audible in the match. But uh, <clears throat> for me, Rhea Ripley, she's just not saying she's not a good competitor. She just hasn't established herself. And they haven't done anything to establish her on TV. I mean, I don't know if I agree completely with that. Uh, 
Obviously, I don't know history of either of these competitors right. other than Tony Storm won the the May Young Classic. So I got to see her wrestle more, and she won me over there. Rhea Ripley hadn't really won me over at all at that point. Uh, but kind of with fresh eyes, like, I mean, I wanted Tony Storm to win the, the championship when they had the championship yep. match. Uh, but Rhea Ripley, I thought, like, she she I, I think she's decent. I don't mind watching her at all. She I think her attitude's good. Uh, she's she's bigger than most of her competitors. Yeah, and she uses that to her advantage well. And that's not always a given. I guess for me, um, I want the people I, I like to win. Obviously, because you know I understand how wrestling works, but I still I don't care. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, Rhea Ripley in the first May Young Classic, I thought, okay, she looks a pretty, she looked pretty good, you know. Um, and then in the second May Young Classic, I thought, wow, she still looks pretty, not like she doesn't look like she's improved much. Whereas you looked at like Bianca Belair, who from the first May Young Classic to the second had improved tremendously. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a tremendous amount. And you know, Rhea Ripley winning the title just she won the women's UK title on August twenty sixth, two thousand eighteen. It didn't even air until November 28th, 2018, on TV. So on TV, she was only champ for 44 days, basically. Mm. Uh, but in reality, it was 139. I don't know what WWE is going to recognize, because I, I don't. Yeah. <clears throat> but at, at the end of the day, I just, to me, I, I haven't, I don't dislike her. I just haven't seen anything where I'm like, she deserves to be champion. No, I agree with that, too. I think that this felt a little more like uh Kind of what I was saying about the tag match, where Trent Seven and Tyler Bate didn't need right. the, the titles right now to to, right. Pro, to push them up further, right? And the other guys did, but those other guys have laid more groundwork for it, right? And I wasn't super impressed with uh, Rhea Ripley winning the title, right? I mean, it wasn't a classic match or anything. Um, I just I think she's done solid, but I think it was uh, she needs this more right now, and is this bumps her up quicker. Dakota Kai. That's who I was trying to think of earlier. I was like this close to getting her name too, and then you moved on like right when I was about yeah, to pull it out. Dakota Kai. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I believe you, but <clears throat> I just don't think that Rhea Ripley's really done anything to, and, and I don't think she's improved any. Like this match, even here, this match was okay. I wasn't blown away by it. They went about 15 minutes. Tony Storm carried the match, but I thought I, for the most part, I agree with you. But I think you're probably being a little bit more critical of Rhea Ripley than than I. That's fine. I, pretty much, yeah. That's fine. She's not blowing me away, but I think that she I think she is showing some improvement. It's just not as uh you know, when you when you get jumped right to the top like that, yeah. maybe you you, uh, you expect more. Like uh Ronda Rousey blew us all away with her performance going straight to the top like yeah. she has. Yeah. Rhea Ripley, she's oh. been solid, but I don't think she's been uh the same kind of trajectory and performance. I mean, I, here's my problem. I don't think I think the problem is is like, all right, so there's no secondary titles for women mm-hmm. in the promotion. In fact, I haven't heard anything about the tag titles since they first announced it, you know? Yeah. But for me, like, I almost feel like they, they should have some secondary titles for the for the women's wrestlers. Only because, like, when you are have a guy like... Like, WCW had the television championship, the United States championship, and the world championship. Rhea Ripley would be a good TV champion to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like... 
the belt is being used to establish her and she can go out there and have some passable matches and she's the television champion. So it makes sense. You know, it's like, okay, yeah. Yeah. But to be the only women's champion in the promotion when she's clearly not the best women's wrestler. And I get it. It's not about just being the best wrestler. It's, you know, the overall package and blah, 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 blah. To me, it's still about the wrestling. Yeah. And I want the best wrestler to be champion or at least a wrestler who can perform. And be champion. But she she lost it back to Tony Storm on the first defense against her. Right, which just basically just goes to show. Yeah, so Tony Storm is the best. She just right. got hurt in her first match. Right. It makes perfect sense. Who else in NXT UK, in, as far as the, the female competitors? No, truth for this right now, nobody. Exactly. That's, that's the thing. That's the other problem. The, the, I, I know why they wanted to establish women's champion, because, well, we got to have one. You gotta have a men's singles champion, a women's single champion. You gotta have a men's tag that's team. That's fine. Champion. Tony Storm can hold the belt for the next like two or three years. But, <laughs> but that's but the the thing is like yeah, they need to establish that division. Like there was a time when the NXT women's division was the best, mm-hmm. and then they sent all of them up to the main roster, if you will, or went up to Raw and SmackDown, and then the NXT women's division had to kind of rebuild, and that's why Oscar was champion for five hundred and something days. Yeah, because from Oscar is pretty awful. Even right. the ones that were the best behind Oscar. I, I didn't care for it. Like Ember Moon was fine, but she didn't impress me, you know, and anybody right. else was kind of right there. Uh, and now, now you have a, a good mix again. You yeah. Know? There's I mean, a good mix in there again. So who was the, it was Ember Moon was the first champion after Oscar, right? right. Yeah. And then you had, she lost it to Shayna. <laughs> yep. Who lost it to Kari Sane. Yeah. And won it back from Kari Sane. And Shayna, like, I'm not super blown away by her, but she does her job well. Yeah, she does. And she's, she looks like she should be champion. Yep. Um, I loved, Kari Sane winning it, and I wish she didn't lose it back because I really like that. That got Kari Sane going from somebody who I didn't really, yeah, I, I kind of knew. I mean, she won the first man classics, I yeah. knew from that, but that like really pushed her up in my book. And now there's just so many more people that are in. Like, I'm really interested with Bianca Belair. Go yeah, ahead. I'm actually, I, she, again, she's one that's impressed me as far as improving from one May Young to the next. And I like her charisma in the ring and her attitude in the ring. And I couldn't stand her at first because yeah. the, the hair gimmick just felt too gimmicky and it was distracting to me. See, I actually, it doesn't bother me. I anymore. thought it was unique. Be- I thought it was kind of cool because it was unique and original. See, it bothers doing that. It bothered me because, like, if you're really competing against somebody, somebody's going to grab that shit and right. just about rip your head off, right. and it's going to cost you. I mean, in the NFL, that's why you don't wear long dreads because people can tackle you by your hair. Yeah, and that'll hurt you, and it's yeah. not a penalty. But uh, she's she's won me over with her continued uh, not just her performance in the ring, but right. her continued charisma. Like she's yeah, she's so I'm I'm very interested in that match. And then in the finals. Final match of the night, the main event, if you will. Pete Dunne defended the United WWE United Kingdom Championship against Joe Coffey. How many matches were there? Uh, there was five matches on the actual card, on the on the main show, if you will. Uh, did we skip one, or am I forgetting one? So there's oh, the tag match. tag match, Finn Balor and Devlin. <laughs> That's one. Okay, I, that one slipped my mind. Tony Storm okay. or Ripley, and now Pete Dunne retained his championship in 35 minutes. Super impressive match. Um. Okay. So I, there's a lot of people that like I. I didn't feel like Joe Coffey was a – like, they did a good job building him, but to me, it's like, this isn't the guy that's going to end this run. Oh, no, no. <laughs> this isn't the guy that's going to end this 600-day run, not by a long shot. Yeah. I, I don't know who is going to be, but definitely not this guy. No, they, they built him good, and he's uh, he's he's threatening. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that he's, you know, like, oh, how how is, uh, how, how is Pete Dunn going to beat him? Right. I I was very impressed by Joe Coffey's a big dude. Yeah. And him competing that hard for 35 minutes was very impressive to me. 
and it I mean, didn't like flag off as the match went on. The match wasn't a five star classic as far as it wasn't perfect, if you will. But I thought it was a great match. Yeah, Coffee did mess up a little bit here and there because maybe he was winded or whatnot. I yeah. don't know. But Pete Dunne definitely carried him to a great match. Yeah. And the one thing that they're doing in NXT UK right now, they've been kind of doing with Pete Dunne all along. What they've been really doing it this year is that. He's not just wrestling the same guys over and over and over and over again. They're taking a guy, they're establishing his number one contender, they're building him, they're having a match, you know. He's had good ones. They did it with Zach Gibson, they did it with Jordan Devlin, you know. And he's had some great matches where then they build and Pete Dunne, then they go out and they wrestle and have a 30-minute match. And Pete Dunne wins and they have a great match. I mean, they've been doing that now, and I love it, like... Clearly, post-match, Walter made his NXT UK debut. Uh, I love his music because, mm-hmm. as you can see from watching Progress today that we've watched, he uses that music everywhere because it's like like Daniel Bryan's music or Macho Man's music. No one owns that music. It's an old classical symphony number, yeah. you know. And so, um, obviously, I feel like Walter's going to be established as the next contender for Pete Dunne. And my buddy Bradford's... Not a big fan of Walter because he says his chops are dangerous and he doesn't, you know, he's going to hurt somebody and blah, blah, blah. Sorry, I'm not trying to dismiss you with blah, blah, as Bradford, but I'm just, that's his feelings. I don't feel the same way. Chops have always been a part of wrestling. Walter McDaniel chopped the crap out of people. I've yet to see someone die from being hit with a chop, you know. Yeah, the one, <laughs> the one thing that caught me off guard today was some of Walter. He he chopped a guy in the head twice in the matches that we watched. Yeah, I don't think he's going to necessarily hurt the other guy with that. He's going to break his hand one of these days. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, and yes, there's been some pictures lately. Some photographers have used some pretty amazing cameras they have to do some pictures where Walter's chopping a guy in the chest, and you see like the whole the guy's whole chest moving around in his hand. It's an impressive photo, but again. Wahoo McDaniel chopped people till they bled back in the friggin' 70s. So, I mean, it's not like that's been any different in the last 50 years. And no, it's not like getting hit with a chair in the head and they've established, oh, uh, CTEs. But no, it's it, anyways, regardless. So I'm rambling. <laughs> uh, Walter's obviously the next champion. And I know there's a lot of guys going to be upset that maybe Walter's going to be the guy to take the title off of Dunn. And Dunn's been the champion now for over 600 days, which. That's an amazing run. I mean, I wrote a blog about it on the Wrestling Insomniac uh, a couple months ago, actually, back when he became the sixth longest reigning champion in the history of the WWE for a singles title. Um, there's only five guys that have held the t- a title longer than him. Bruno Sammartino twice, Bob Backlund, Paige Morana, Morales, and Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. It's a great group to be involved and in. Hogan could only do it once. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, Pete Dunne's got over 400 days, I think maybe almost 500 days, actually, before he can top one of those guys for as far as as far as far uh, length of run. But I would love to see him be champion for, for over two years because I can't remember the last time we had a champion for two years. Uh, Okada was just a few days shy of two years when he dropped the title to Kenny Omega earlier this year, in 2018. Mm-hmm. But as far as over here in the States, I'm... You know, to have a guy on WWE be champion that long, it's impressive. Yeah, you know, and just like you were saying about Pete Dunne, they keep on building competitors for him. One thing that you don't have to see a lot is Pete Dunne doesn't have to spend a lot of time on the mic. No. Or building himself with matches that aren't – like, he looks like a champion. He's there. He's the number one contender. He doesn't have to work his way up or show himself off. Uh, And I I like seeing that dynamic where – 
he's just he's the guy and he's going out there and beating everybody and and proving it uh you know and then you look at like AJ Styles on SmackDown where he had the title for over a year a very long time yeah um and it shows you the difference in the product that he always had to be in uh you know bu- like building the storylines with Joe like some some of those uh some of the things they did to build that storyline were a bit cringeable and it, you know Pete Dunne just has to go out and wrestle the matches and prove himself that way. And sometimes uh, SmackDown or Raw gets a little too mired in in producing the story, you know, instead yeah. of letting the matches be the story. Um, and I think the other thing, you know, Pete Dunne has been champion for this long, but a lot of that, like the first year of that run, maybe even, was not as heavily featured on WWE TV. They didn't have the UK brand. They didn't have... You know, but he was still wrestling at takeovers. He was still defending the title around the world in different promotions, uh, progress evolve or whatever. Uh, he was still appearing on WWE TV. You know, he was on Raw. He was on Two Hundred Five Live. I mean, he's as champion and, and winning matches at the same time. He he's had some great matches on NXT, like against Ricochet, that yeah. title for title match they had. You know, uh, he was just in War Games. That was a decent match. You know, I mean, <laughs> think. So, I mean, like, they have been doing a lot to establish Dunn, and I feel like they could continue with him as champion for another year even by building. And that's the thing. It's like Pete Dunn is the Ric Flair of our generation when it comes to how a champion is, or even the Hulk Hogan or the Pedro or the Bob Backlund or the Bruno, where they present him with a challenger, they build the challenger, he beats the challenger. You know, they could even go as far and have like the, his first match against Walter. He could he could win by count out or get or lose by DQ or lose by count out or something like that, which automatically builds to a second match. You know what I mean? And then a third match down the line even. Um, but I like it. They're establishing an p- opponent. He's wrestling the opponent. He's winning. They're establishing another opponent. I mean, it's it's how they used to do things. It's how it always was in the past. That's why Ric Flair would have matches like as NWA champion against like Hawk of the Road Warriors or Animal or Bobby Eaton or or typical tag team guys even that are getting a, a, a chance at the title. And it wasn't out of lack of competition or lack of talent roster. It was the fact that they wanted to show that Ric Flair was a fighting champion and that they, even though these guys are tag team wrestlers, they deserve a shot at the title as well. Why not? Yeah, it was always great seeing seemingly random guys are in shots. At yes. El- like, I remember when I was a kid, uh, the one, two, three kid getting a shot at Jeff Jarrett's Intercontinental Championship yep. and it being, like, out of the blue. But then <laughs> you seeing this great match with two guys that you didn't expect. There wasn't a few. There wasn't some huge thing. Yeah. Uh, and when if you have people building for that chance at the, the top contender spot, yeah. Well, those two guys that are competing for it, the guy that loses really kind of should be off the books for a moment because they just had a big match for this other guy to beat him. So he's got to kind of step aside a little bit. So you got to have that constant flow of guys going up. And too often we see where there isn't a logical next step once a story runs its course uh, in Raw or SmackDown because they just build this one thing for so long and then they leave it like vacant after that. And that's why Pete Dunne and his defenses have been great is everybody that he's gone against has proven themselves as worthy of a shot. And while they're getting their shot, somebody else is there alongside them proving that they're worthy for a shot. We've had a series of just like guy after guy that they've all deserved a chance at it. And, you know, they 
it's good for for both sides. You know, Pete, you're not getting tired of of this guy losing to Pete Dunn, and right. Pete Dunn's getting to wrestle a variety of guys and you know show off his ability. So, anyways, I thought it was a great show. It was a good takeover. Mm-hmm. They had TV tapings the next day on Sunday. I'm not going to get into those spoilers because I don't want to do that to people. Watch good. the show. Um, but you know, Walter as a guy that you weren't familiar with. So you came over today and we've been, we've been watching some progress on demand Walter matches. Yep. And uh, we have a few more matches to watch. Yep. And then the main event of our day, if you will, is from the unboxing show where Pete Dunn wrestled Tyler Bate in the main event of the card. Yeah. Yeah. I can never get tired of a Pete Dunn versus Tyler Bate match. No. So, so good. But anyhow, um, that's it. Thanks for, uh, Talking about uh, NXT UK with me today. Anytime. Uh, I love talking about wrestling. And uh, thanks for spending the day watching wrestling with me. Because I, <laughs> I love watching wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, uh, so check out my uh, Wrestling Insomniac, the blog. Uh, I've got a couple new posts over there that you might be interested in. Uh, if not, just go ahead and just click on the links anyways and give me some page views. That's, that's what I need. Um, uh, my buddy... Brandon went to the NXT live show they had in Durham, North Carolina back on January 6th. He's got a report on there about that. And also I posted a, uh, he posted a blog recently on there about uh, the merchandising of Memphis championship wrestling. It was a book that Jim uh, Cornette co-wrote and it's a pretty interesting read to see what type of kind of cool merchandise they had in Memphis back in the seventies and eighties, different weird stuff, you know, cause wrestling wasn't known for its merchandise back then. You know, it wasn't until the mid eighties really that we started getting WWE started doing t-shirts and stuff other than programs, you know, really wasn't known for it, but this really shows all the kind of weird and kooky stuff that you could get down in Memphis during that time frame. So I thought that's kind of cool. And of course, please check out my blog, my giant post, uh, my dedication and tribute to wrestlers that passed away in 2018. I tried to make it as complete as possible. We lost some, uh, lost some good ones last year and that's it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, superstar Mel. You want to plug your stuff? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at who's Paul. You can also find my podcast on the nerdy Legion uh, website. Uh, I have Paul and Michael occasionally save the world with my buddy, Michael Sparkman. And then I have a new podcast, uh, Shell Shock, a TMNT podcast with my buddy, Joe, Joey Galvez. Of course, you know, I have, what did you watch this week with my buddy, John and go check out progress wrestling. If you haven't watched any progress wrestling, you're missing out. It's eight bucks a month. Buy yourself a month, sit down, binge it. It's worth it. Especially the more recent shows. And if you like these guys you're seeing on NXT UK, including Walter, they're all over Progress Wrestling. So You see Trent Seven swear a bunch. Yes, Trent Seven swears a lot in his promos. In fact, if you go all the way back to 2017 Super Strong Style 16 Night 1, you can hear him call Matt Riddle a pussy. <laughs> <laughs>